Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Mila. And we are back with an episode for your nine and seven Baltimore Orioles. Uh, some good, some bad. Um, but before that, just want to check with you guys. Uh, how are you doing, Jess? Uh, pretty good. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the Orioles are concerned, well, we'll get into it more. But I haven't been uh, thoroughly impressed like I was hoping to be. So we'll talk. Huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's interesting. Lead people yeah. to stick around a little bit. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a, it was a well thought out tactic on my part. So. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> he spent a lot of time on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eli, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I think I can also say I am not thoroughly impressed. Um, but I don't know, seen some good things and, uh, I'm about to go on a little work trip down to Houston. So personally, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to get put up in a hotel. I'm going to have a free car and some food to eat. So yeah, can't argue with it. Yeah, that's all. Are you are you seeing any baseball while you're there? Or is that just not it, no time for that? You know, I hadn't thought about it. But about two hours ago, I said, I should go to Minute Maid Park just for the heck of it. Yeah. I'm going to look at the Astros schedule um, as we get into the first start of this episode. Yeah, see, they're playing against the Blue Jays. Oh. I can see two teams I'm really not that big fan of. but Yeah, that's a yeah. tough one. I guess you're rooting for the Astros in that series. but <laughs> I, I think I probably would. I think my girlfriend would be very upset with that's, me if I didn't. So That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. But I can say the Astros are 7-9. You know, we're Jesse and I are here over here, not impressed and all, and things could be worse. They definitely could be worse. We could be the Astros. <laughs> I mean, I might take the end of the season with. The, yeah, I'll take the hundred wins by the end of the year. You know, I'll be good with mm. that. So fair enough. All right, well, let's get into the Orioles. Um, as we record, we're recording this on Monday the seventeenth. Just a quick recap: of what the O's have done so far. Uh, they started the year in Boston, went one and two in that series. Then went to Texas, took two out of three from the Rangers there, came home, uh, lost two out of three to the Yankees, although they did win the home opener. Uh, Then took care of business against the Athletics, taking three out of four against a bad team there. And then they just finished up a three-game series in Chicago. Uh, A weird series where they kind of won a game they felt like they shouldn't have won, lost a game they should have won, um, but they ended up going two and one against the White Sox there. So, Jess, you said you're not as thoroughly impressed. And Eli, you kind of you kind of echoed that as well. But I guess I'll go with you, Jess. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I've got a couple things in the outline to discuss, but, you know, maybe explain your feelings there. Why are you not as thoroughly impressed as you hoped you would be? Well, I mean, we could just start off by uh, I mean, we won opening day had a very depressing game two of the season. Um, so yes. and that kind of set a bad tone. I mean, I feel like um, so far we've been playing some pretty bad teams and teams that have been playing badly. Um, we have, I think, benefited from a pretty easy schedule um, so far to this point. And uh, I mean, obviously, nine and seven, you know, we expect, uh, I think we all expect it to be slightly above 500 by the end of the year. So 
from that perspective, from the, strictly a win loss record perspective, how can you be that upset with everything? But uh, I'm sort of more disappointed. The offense has been so good, which we're going to talk about. Um, and we've had a lot of um, sort of a lot of close games, a lot of come from behind wins, a lot of really exciting theatrical sort of, uh, you know, excitement for a baseball fan. Um, but in terms of um, the quality and stuff like that, uh, I feel like those are a little lacking from what I would hope. Um, so, Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll push back on one thing, just like the quality of opponent. I think that these last two opponents, I think the White Sox probably aren't all that good this year. doesn't feel very good. The, the A's, we know they're terrible. But I think prior to that, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox are formidable. I know we they, they lost. Uh, four out of the six games against them but the rangers are the top team in al west right now you know they've gone all in this these last two off seasons bringing in free agents taking two out of three on the road against them feels pretty good especially after they kind of handled the business against the phillies to open the year um so yeah i guess i'll push back on the quality of the opponent a little bit but i will agree for sure that uh the orioles have not been nearly as crisp uh as you would like to see them be Um, yeah and i mean i I mean i'm also when we played the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox are the Red Sox, but they didn't play like the Red Sox and they played horrendously against us. I mean, the pitching was an absolute disaster for them. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. And maybe I am um, kind of looking at these teams um, a little more negatively than I should be. And I, I understand that, you know, there are a lot of like mechanical things, teams at this stage are working out and stuff like that. Um, but um at the same time you know these games matter these games are just as important as the games at the end of the year and stuff like that and uh yeah so i i think we uh lost a little bit of an opportunity to to take advantage of some teams that were not playing very well but i i hear what you're saying fair enough uh eli do you want to jump in and kind of just explain maybe how you're feeling yeah i for me like it isn't so much about quality of the opponent. It's, I mean, the biggest thing that I'm worried about is just the starting rotation. I, I feel like through and through, we have had pretty uninspiring performances all around. I think the, I think Kyle Gibson has been a positive note. Um, I think Grayson Rodriguez, if you subtract every first inning that he's had is a pretty positive <laughs> note. Uh, but besides that, you know, the Orioles bullpen has the third most innings in all of baseball. Our team ERA is 527, which is 26 out of 30 teams. We are just struggling as a pitching staff to get through these games. Hyde is having to run people out there, you know, like our bullpen arms are getting used regularly on back-to-back days and you really just like don't want to see that high of a usage this early in the season. Starting pitchers should be a little fresher. Everything should be going quote unquote, according to plan at this point. And we all talked about how much starting pitching depth we have, but (laughs) you take Bradish away, you select Grayson in and it starts to feel a lot thinner than it actually is. You know, we still have Spencer Watkins, but, um, as far as the quality innings go with what's on the team right now out of that starting rotation, you feel like there is less and less upside. Um, 
And it's, you know, it's what we talked about all off season. We talked about the Orioles needed to go and get an impact pitcher and we didn't do that. Um, and now, you know, one of our big acquisitions has been optioned to triple a and we're, yeah, we're hurting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of a, as you said, Eli, it was an expected thing. We knew the rotation wasn't, it was, it was deep, but not overly talented. And I think the ceiling was fairly low, all things considered, because yeah, Grayson right. could break out, but you know, he's going to be on an innings limit most of this year anyway, because he's not going to go from whatever 70 some to 200 innings in a year. Um, and yeah, Irvin, I mean, we, we will talk about Cole over here in a second. It's uh, it was one of those things that I had some concerns about <clears throat> when the trade went down. I mean, I, I get the, the play there, you get him for years of control, but there's not a ton of like physical skills there that really drive you wild as a baseball fan. So it, it's still shocking that he's been demoted to AAA this early in the year because those three starts were just absolutely atrocious. Um, so I guess what I, you know, we're talking about the rotation a lot and I think it's, it's something we talked about and every, everybody talked about during the off season. It's continued to be an issue now. Eli, do you see this like being fixed without some sort of influx of external talent or can the Orioles sort this out by Irvin taking a stint in AAA, figuring something out, Bradish getting healthy? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I I don't think it's reason to fully, fully hit the panic button yet, and I don't want to come off like I was insinuating that. I, I think that Dean Kramer will come around. I think that he will be better than he has. I think that Gibson will continue to be fine. I think Bradish, when he comes back, will you know settle in, start to look good. Uh, he, he was having a clean start until, you know, obviously was taken out by that line drive. So there are reasons to be optimistic in terms of having better than we have had. Um, but it, uh, it was just, you know, we're talking early impressions here and that was something we had all talked about and it's being reinforced. So I, I think that, there, there isn't reason to panic until you're at least a month or two into the season and seeing this continue. Uh, we do have upside that we saw last year from Bradish and Kramer, um, and can't expect you know to see that again. I think, but it's uh, the early returns have not been great, of course. Yeah, the, fair enough. The, yes. the main concern, you know, which I think Eli is basically saying here is is not that the Orioles don't have depth. I mean, in the past we've had real problems with depth and having to go to pitchers that were not qualified really to be major league pitchers and have them. Uh, we had the knuckleballer, you know, come out last year for a start because we were so desperate. So this year, the Orioles have a different concern with the starting pitching, right? The, the problem is the front end of the rotation, right? We don't have a normal one through five rotation. We have two threes, three fours and like four fives right like available in our system right so that that's the problem right and that and um it's it's gonna be difficult um you know we'll we'll you know make the best out of it and hopefully uh we don't have uh any you know we don't put anybody out there that that is seriously unqualified to take a major league mound as a starting pitcher. We do have both like in the bullpen that could, you know, do a spot start here and there, uh, hopefully. Uh, so, 
um you know so in situations like that but the the problem is the quality of the starting pitchers that we are running out there and you know are they on a consistent basis going to keep us competitive and keep us in in ball games um yeah. and not overexpose the bullpen yeah it's fair and yeah it was it was a problem in the offseason it's a problem now and uh john means coming back can only do so much grayson rodriguez getting more development can only do so much uh, we're just kind of getting to that point. They need they need to find another level, and it's just not currently in the system. So hopefully that trade happens. Um, I'm hoping and depending on it, but we'll see. Um, another thing, another negative uh, before we get to some positives, because there are some positives. The Orioles are a winning baseball team. They're on like it's only 18 games, but I think they're on like a 91 win pace or something. Like this is this team is playing good ish. Um, but one more negative before we get to the positive is. The fielding has been far worse than I was I was anticipating. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's the Ryan McKenna blunder, which you know that stuff like that happens. I don't that that alone shouldn't you know paint you as a bad fielding team, but it was just like emblematic of the the first two weeks of the season. The defense just doesn't look great. Um, I think Mateo looks fine at short. I think Rutschman looks fine behind the plate. But kind of everybody else is doing some weird things. Mullins had a bad first series in Boston. Uh, Henderson, they're shuffling him around. I don't think he looks totally settled anywhere. Um, I think Frazier looks fine at second base. But it's just in general, like the, the vibes are off for the, the fielding right now. Uh, Eli, you're shaking your head in agreement. I mean, do you want to, like, expand on that at all? Yeah, I, I will say I think, um, I don't know, Gunners had a couple plays – uh, with just a couple wild throws uh, throughout yeah. the early part of the year, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not too worried about him. Um, m- what you mentioned about, I, I think Mateo and Frazier are turning into like pretty comfortable, a, a group that's pretty comfortable with each other up the middle. Like particularly in the last Kyle Gibson start, we saw those two turn a number of double plays. I, I think that they're starting to learn how to work together. Um, but yeah, the big thing for me is the outfield. Uh, you know, this was something we really expected to be a strength of our team, quite frankly. Um, and the Boston series, it was like glaring, glaring. Uh, a lot of things went wrong, regardless of the Ryan McKenna gaff. Um, so it it's been just kind of, I I don't know. I I didn't really know what to think about it. <laughs> I, I'm not concerned about it in the long term though, because okay. Cedric Mullins is still Cedric Mullins. You know, I think Hayes is a good defender. Santander is going to be Santander. Uh, he'll be <laughs> what we expect him to be, which isn't that great as a defender, but he's yeah. a known quantity, I think. You know, I don't think he's going to get that much better or worse this year. So I expect it to regress to the mean. Um, sure. And so not, like, concerned in the long run, but it has been a bit of a, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a very, very weird thing to start the year. Yeah. Yeah. Jess, you want to jump in? Yeah. And just to elaborate on that, especially in the Boston series, I mean, maybe you attribute some of it to the the dimensions of the ballpark or whatever. Um, it was cold. But, it was windy. You know, yeah. But stuff. I mean, but, yeah. And I guess it was the first season. So maybe some of these guys. Ser- are, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Thank you. The first series of the season. <laughs> um, so maybe, you know, some of the guys aren't getting good reads on bats and stuff like that. But it, it it's even more than just right 
obviously the mechanic thing is just right symbolic and and completely laughable and like just ridiculous right but it, it's it goes way beyond that right i mean it was it was about reading the bat off the ball it was about the routes that that the outfielders were taking to the ball um you know so it's been a it's been a variety of things um and then yeah especially also i mean we can look at henderson too but i mean you know this is sort of i think what we would expect from him uh sure. sort of and kind of what i was hoping wouldn't happen is what the orioles are doing is that he is moving around the infield and playing different positions he's come and played short when mateo sat out you know and stuff like that so i would like him to try to you know us for to allow him to to get some comfort and some stability at a position um more for his short-term benefit than his long-term benefit um but the orioles haven't done that so yeah and plus you know in addition to him not hitting well uh i'm sure that's frustrating for him so it's both both areas of his game that he has to you know sort of work on and think about and pay attention to so yeah it's interesting it's just like the the orioles have kind of come into the season sort of just like saying the the cream will rise to the top with the left side of the infield and like right now, Mateo, you have to play Mateo every single day because one, he's a good defender like he always is, but he's like the best hitter on the team right now for some reason, which is he's the best hitter in the world right now. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I think he's that he leads the team in batting average and Hayes is second and then Rutschman's third. It's like the world's upside down. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's wild. But um, and then with Urias getting hurt, not really hurt, but like, well, hit in the head, you know, it, that sucks, but that would probably yeah. hurt. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I think of like pulling a hamstring or something, but when you just get assaulted, it's a little bit of a different <laughs> situation, but um, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I don't love the idea of like Henderson not having a set position. Um, and I think Ben McDonald said on the broadcast the other day that he thinks Henderson looks more comfortable at shortstop versus third base, but all the scouting reports are always that, oh, he's going to be a gold glove type third baseman and an average shortstop. So it's like something there isn't maybe Ben McDonald's off. Maybe the scouts are off. I don't know. I just feel like the orders need to give him a set position. And it again goes back to the off season where instead of making a trade with the surplus of shortstops, you just sat on your hands. And it's like, I don't know that the team is ultimately better because of it. Um, so just, just sort of my frustrations airing out there, but um, I would agree. Uh, Eli, I think you said that I'm not worried about the defense long-term um but yeah the early returns have been not fantastic um but let's talk about yeah. something oh, sorry but, go ahead sorry just one note on gunner for me is that i you know i think that he did look pretty comfortable at third base last year and so i do think there's an element of you know this could be just i don't know settling into game speed a little bit he's clearly you know not to say he's really struggling at the plate because he's close to the major league lead in walks, but right. he is struggling to put bat on ball um, as in the batting average is super low. So I, you know, I think it might be like something very simply that he's trying to figure some stuff out. He's trying to settle into the game speed um, and the sophomore slump quote unquote is hitting him a little bit early to start the year. So I, I'm not ready to quite say, like, I think he looks more comfortable at short, and therefore, you know, that's the thing that he prefers. We should push him that way. Um, I think, like, jury's still out for me on that, but 
We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't really at this time I don't really think people should be making that argument with Mateo there at short. I mean, that doesn't yeah, for sure. that doesn't make oh, sense yeah. to me. If no. if Mateo gets traded at the deadline or something and we want to move Henderson to short, fine, but it doesn't make sense for Henderson in my mind to be playing short every day at this point. Oh no, yeah, I wouldn't say yeah, that either. Sure. I my my argument would be like give him a position and if third's the position then that's the position. Like I'm fine with him DHing occasionally if that's what you want to do, but right. I just I just think as a rookie and look, he's 21 or 22, you know, it, there's a lot going on there. I it's I would just simplify things and say, look, we know you've got whatever going on at the plate Eli just kind of talked about where you're basically not swinging the bat, which is a whole critique I have of him. <laughs> Uh, but figure that out and just focus on one position and we'll figure everything else out. But, um, that, I don't think that's what the orders are going to do, obviously, but, um, just what I would prefer. So anyway, let's talk about a positive for the Orioles that is going better than expected. Um, and it's the offense and it's pretty much every element of the offense. Uh, the Orioles are in the top five of MLB entering play on Monday, uh, in runs on base percentage, slugging percentage. OPS walks and stolen bases, um, which like the number uh, out of all those numbers, the the one that is like shocking as an Orioles fan for the last 30 years uh, is on base percentage. They're first in the league and on base percentage. Um, that was a critique of this team for a long time under Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette was they hit the ball to the ballpark, but there was not always somebody on base in front of them. They wouldn't take a walk. They didn't get on base. They just hit dingers. Uh, and this is like just it's like another world that we're living in uh, right now. So I don't know if we want to kind of just talk about individual contributors or what's going on. Jess, I know I was talking to you before a little bit. You had some guys in mind. Is there anybody in particular you would really want to like point out as like really impressive or or better than you expected? Or, or how do you want to handle that? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I would just say I think there has been a, a shift sort of in emphasis um, and and the organization valuing on base percentage more. We have several. I mean, now, granted, we have some guys that clearly don't emphasize on base percentage, but we also do have some guys that do. Um, obviously, Rutschman is probably the, the biggest example, but also, you know, when he's going well, Henderson, uh, like Eli was talking about with uh, the walks. Um, is you know theoretically a very disciplined uh, hitter at the plate Um, so yeah I mean now don't get me wrong we do compensate that a little bit with some free swingers that we have as well like Mountcastle Um, but overall yeah I mean I think it's uh, you know not everybody you know, I think it makes sense on a in a lineup to have some free swingers. So I don't think that's necessarily a problem, you know. Um, so, no, I mean, do I think, you know, I don't expect the Orioles to lead the league in this at the end of the year, but I do expect the Orioles to sort of be more in the middle of the pack because we do have a more balanced lineup uh, with all uh, specifically I'm talking about with uh, on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Um and uh being in the middle of the pack with that by the end of the year and as far as the offense as a whole i mean kind of you know for a while we've kind of been optimistic um i i think we could have uh you know a middle of the pack offense to uh one of the better offenses in the league somewhere uh in that range um 
we definitely have a lot of potential in the lineup. Um, it, I mean, we have several hitters who are very, very capable of having big years. Obviously, it's going to depend a lot on some of the younger guys. How good is Adley going to be? How good is Henderson going to be? Does Mateo have an offensive breakout year? Um, you know, which I think is on the table. Um, I mean, relative for him, right? Like, I don't want to overinflate what it's going to be, but I do think we could, you know, he could uh, surprise a lot of people relative to where he was last year. So um, is Mountcastle going to return to form, right? Is he going to be the hitter he was um, and is capable of being? So, um, it you know, Austin Hayes, another guy, right? Like, is he going to put a full season together offensively at the plate? So um, they're just sort of a lot of question marks, uh, I think, with a lot of the guys in the offense. Um, is Santander going to hit another 30 home runs, right? Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think... I think it's a lineup when you look at it, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on sort of, uh, if these guys progress how we hope and expect and want them to, um, or, you know, maybe they encounter some struggles and the offense doesn't click, um, to its capability. I think I'm a little more bullish on the offense than Jesse is. And one of the single biggest things about it, is that I'm staring at a random chart online. Uh, it's Admittedly, I was struggling to get a good chart of pitches per plate appearance. I was trying to find it for the whole team, but was unable to. But of the top 20 hitters in terms of pitches per plate appearance, the Orioles have four. I'm sorry, top 20 in the American League. So Santander is seeing 4.3 game. Rutschman seeing 4.3. Or 4.3 per plate appearance. Rutschman seeing 4.3. Adam Frazier is seeing 4.3. And Gunner's seeing about a little under 4.2. So, and you know, we just drew 26 walks against the Oakland Athletics. So I, I do think there is, you know, there's been all this talk about swing decisions, swing decisions. Everyone says that's what has made Gunner such an elite prospect. That's what's been this emphasis as a collective across the Orioles organization. And I think that is really, really starting to show here. I think it's even a little bit decisive. Um, it, it's a big part of what we have seen Jorge Mateo start to excel in this year. Um, again, TBD, whether any form of his current self continues, but really struggled against the breaking ball last year. This year is hitting like over 400 against them, able to lay off the ones off the plate, able to find himself uh, when there is one in the middle of the plate, when there is a mistake pitch being made, he's able to jump on it. So I, I do think there is a lot of reason to think that the Orioles as a unit are starting to turn themselves into a higher on base team and, I, I think that can only mean good things. You know, we've seen Mountcastle have some very, very big swings despite his normal free swing himself. His walk rate also has gone up this year, is already at about 9%. So I, I think there's a, some underlying trends that do bode well for the Orioles. You know, granted, this is all inflated by those 26 walks against a, like, high A team in the Oakland Athletics, but... I, you know, we are like 
we are doing what we are supposed to do against that terrible, terrible pitching staff. So um, we have handled our business. I think that, you know, we got shut down by Jacob deGrom, but I haven't seen us really totally overmatched in any other game this year. Um, We just handled Dylan Cease pretty well the other day. I think that the Orioles offense as a unit is coming together really well. Um, And I think, I think, I would be remiss if I went through this segment and I didn't just say the name Adley Rutschman. The guy looks like just an insanely complete hitter right now. Um, He looks like everything that was promised and that was hoped for. And then even more on top of that. Yeah, he's uh, it's incredible. I mean, that's, you know, I think that the, that's an important sentiment because I think a lot of people that are fans of the Orioles are are verbalizing that or are just kind of grappling with that because, you know, we had Matt Wieters, a very similar sort of like reputation coming up. He wasn't a number one overall pick, but switch hitting catcher, switch hitting Jesus, people threw around, you know, all these ridiculous nicknames or whatever, but they were like right in his Hall of Fame bio, <clears throat> you know, the day they picked him out of Georgia Tech. And he was good. Like Matt Wieters was a very good player. He won gold gloves, he went to all-star games was on some very good Orioles teams. And if Adley Rutschman, which, you know, he's only in his second year, if he turned into Matt Wieters, that's not a terrible first overall pick. You know, some first overall picks don't make it or they 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 burn out really fast. But just the way he impacts everything in such a positive direction and pitchers are so obviously scared to make a mistake to him. And the Orioles have not had that in the lineup since Machado, probably. I don't think there's been a player since 2018 that the Orioles have had that that was getting pitched around the way Adley is in the second week of the season. Yeah, I think that's completely correct. And it's just like, it's wild that the Orioles have a player like that. Um, And he plays the catcher position, which like, again, the catcher position is such a, such a uh, offensively a depressed position that when you get that sort of production out of that position, it frees up the rest of the roster to to provide even more of a boost. And that's part of why the Orioles offense is good. Like their best hitter is the catcher. So now their third baseman or their shortstop or whatever can be not as good, even though they are good right now. And it just makes everything, it just makes everything more impactful. Um, It compensates for a lot, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, It's the the reverse of what uh, the Astros had last year with Maldonado behind the plate. Yeah, because yeah. you'll take a gold glove type catcher. And if he can hit, if he hits 150, that might be okay. Uh, and I don't know if Rutschman's playing at a gold glove level behind the plate, but he's pretty good defensively. Um, and I don't think it's ridiculous to say he's already the best catcher in the sport. Um, and that's huge. Um, yeah, so I, I missed a little bit of what you were saying, Eli, because I was dealing with some technical issues on my end. Uh, did we talk about stolen bases at all? We actually did not. I I will say I also found a good chart for the team. Uh, What I was talking mostly was kind of swing decisions and plate discipline. The Orioles are seeing the most pitches per plate appearance of any team in Major League Baseball right now. So yeah, that, that was what I was saying is a seriously, seriously comforting trend to me. Um, because like, as we had talked about, this team has notoriously been free swinging over the last decade plus um and that's been incredibly encouraging to me yeah 
Absolutely. I, I, I have like a whole pet theory that I think Gunnar Henderson needs to swing the bat more often and on earlier in the count. Although I think he swings at first pitches a healthy amount, but then it's just like he just gets two strikes on him. And yeah. then you're just in a position where you're going to get breaking balls and that's just harder to hit. Um, but he was he seemed a little more aggressive this weekend in Chicago. Um, his batting line is like kind of absurd what it is. He's it's batting, hilarious. He's batting under 200, yeah. but he's got a 373 on base like. That's wild. But before we get into rookies, um, just like stolen bases real quick. Uh, they're second in the league in that behind. I think Cleveland has one more than the Orioles, but Cleveland gets thrown out a little bit more often than the Orioles do. Um, it's just like such a weapon to have speedy guys and guys that are willing to steal bases. And again, that's where Mateo really shines and, and Mullins knows how to steal a base. Um, and Henderson, I don't think is really stealing too many bases, but he's deceptively fast. Mountcastle's deceptively fast. Um, the Orioles are just, they're athletic again for the first time in a long time. And speed's not always athletic, but in this case it is. And it's just, again, really refreshing. Um, pretty much every time the Orioles are hitting, like I've got to watch the TV, um, which has not always been the case for the last uh, six years. So um, yeah, just really exciting stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Mullins and, uh, Mateo both, you know, led the league in, in stolen bases last year. So it makes sense that we would be uh sending them again and probably more frequently with the bigger with the bigger bags out yeah. there. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they've got twenty four stolen bases. Ten of them came in that first weekend in Boston. So like it's a little bit of an inflated number, but um I I every all signs point to the Orioles competing for most stolen bases in the league by the end of the year. So that's Definitely. really, really exciting. Definitely. Yeah. That Boston series was a catching catastrophe yeah. for Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of those bases I think were stolen on the pitcher too. Like they were yeah, just already there and it's like, well, what's the right. point? Right. Slow to the plate. Yeah. But yeah. I, there's definitely, I mean, even been a willingness to take third as well, uh, yeah. which is yeah, been even more interesting to me. You know, it's not just, we're getting off on somebody for one pitch. It, it is, we are like constantly, constantly a threat at all times, regardless of where they are on the bases. It's been like exciting and fascinating. You know, this is what major league baseball wanted when they implemented all these rules well, and the it, Orioles it, are taking full advantage of it. It is making the game more exciting. I was going to say, I also think that makes a really big difference. The rule changes regarding how many times a pitcher can, because if, if the runner can get that much more of a lead off the bag with this much more confidence, you know, that they are not going to throw the ball over there. You know, when you had yeah. to worry every pitch that it was a, you know, a 30% chance that they would throw the ball over that makes a big difference in, in your lead or whatever. But if you know, with, you know, 90% certainty that they're going to go home on that pitch, you're going to take those extra three or four inches off the bag and, and, you know, hope for the best. And of course with the Orioles, it's normally worked out. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. On the rule changes, one thing I feel like is not impacting the Orioles and they're like in a silo is like speed of game. I feel like the Orioles games are not, any faster which is what you were excited about tyler because (laughs) you need to get the bed i do but yeah so well i that's because of like in all seriousness the combination of everything we've talked about so far right our pitching has been bad right our defense (laughs) has been bad yeah the orioles offense has been incredible and seeing as many pitches (laughs) per game as literally any offense in in the bigs 
Right. So those things are coming together and every game has been like eight to six, nine to five, yeah. you know. That's that's true. I need so I need the Orioles. Look, I love it on it for a day game, but when the game starts at like seven or later, you need to swing the bat because I have to go to I have to work the next day. I think they should understand <laughs> right. that personally. Um, the only other thing we had on the offense, and I don't think we talked about, was Santander really struggling. He had a, he had a decent series in Chicago, but hit his first home run. Yeah, had his first home run. I think he had a multi hit game. The guy is just like striking out like crazy, and he's getting fastballs up in the zone, and he just can't he can't handle them right now um but i you know i don't know that i'd, I'd say i'm worried about him but jess do you have any thoughts on santander so far um no not a whole lot i mean i wonder if uh part of it may have been the preparation from the world baseball classic i mean he was doing great in with team venezuela and i'm not at all using this to justify that we should not have the world baseball classic, but um, just you know, no Orioles maybe... should play in it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not saying that either. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, I mean, well, you know, we look at Kramer, we look at Santa there, you know, is there a link? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, I, well, Mullins and, you know, he's been doing well, but uh, in any case, um, so yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, there was a non-standard preparation in spring training for him. So I'm willing to wait a little while and see if he turns it around. I'm not long-term, like I'm not overly worried about him. He's put, a, a you know, the past two or three seasons, he's had pretty consistent seasons. So uh, at least offensively. So um, yeah, I think, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, fair enough. He just, he's just striking out a lot. When he hits the ball, he still hits it hard. He's just got to, Hit the yeah. ball. Easier said than done. It's it's it. You know, I know we got to talk about it, but it's been a couple weeks, so yeah, 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 you know, yeah. no uh, no freakouts necessary most of the time at this point. Um, yeah, maybe with uh, I mean, we'll talk about it, but maybe with Irvin as the exception. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. fair enough. It, for me, I like seeing Santander do so well in the World Baseball Classic. The only thing that comes to my mind, like, clearly he was seeing the ball well there. I don't think that there is an argument to be made that the competition there was lesser than it is in the major leagues. Of course, that's true. But I think that uh, seeing him see the ball so well there and then struggling right now, my mind immediately and particularly because it is Santander goes to, is there some nagging injury right now? you know, something that is slowing him down in some way, shape, or form. We have seen him slump in the past, and it's always been tied to something like that. We've seen him miss a ton of time, of course. Um, and so him and Hayes are the two that anytime they're slumping, I'm like, oh, God, what's hurt right now, <laughs> you know? Um, right. So I, I think there's the chance for that, but, you know, we sent Kyle Stowers to AAA for whatever reason. So uh, Santander is in the lineup every day. And probably will continue to be. I don't. I don't think Taron Vavra is a right fielder. I, we, you know, he's been out there some, but uh, I think uh, I think Santander is in it for in it for the long haul. So if there is something nagging, then yeah, I don't expect it to get much better in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, you know, that's us totally speculating, of course. But um, you know, yeah, he has done that before, and. If that is the case, you would wish he would just 
take the IL stint because it's not like he's performing well. So what do you, what's the point of, right. of any of that? So we'll see. I was looking at his sprint speed. I was trying to find his sprint speed, but I don't even know if he has that really on Savant this year. Cause he probably hasn't really sprinted that many times because he's never hitting the ball, but he's in the 15th percentile on, on that, but I couldn't find an actual speed that is lower than his 22 percentile, but I don't know what that translates to in feet per second, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, to what you're saying, Eli, uh, I said he's been pretty good the last couple of years, but uh, I now that you said that, I was forgetting the year he basically was playing injured most of the year and his power, you know, definitely declined and dipped and he did struggle that year. So, yeah. Yeah. He's OK. I yeah, got it. He's 21. 25.1 feet per second sprint speed this year, which is 1.3 feet per second slower than last year. So. That sounds concerning, um, but he was never exactly fleet of foot, so I'm not going to say that's too much overwhelming evidence there. But um, anyway, let's talk about the rookies. Uh, We've touched on both of them a little bit here and there, but um, Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez, two big prospects for the Orioles entering the season. Gunnar obviously played a little bit last year. Grayson, shockingly, didn't make the opening day roster, but... Now he was up, he was up for a home opening day anyway, which apparently the Orioles can still get the draft pick compensation for him because it's apparently the rule isn't like opening day; it's like enough time to get a full year of of experience or whatever. So, yeah, that is still on the table. I've actually got something else interesting because Grayson was optioned and then recalled before the initial twenty day waiting period. Mm-hmm. All of the time that he was down actually counts as MLB service time as well. So, like, this is a similar thing with Cole Irvin right now. Unless the Orioles have some injury, he's got to stay down there for 15 days or else all of this counts as service time. So, um, or actually, there might be a harder rule on that. Yeah, so you can't send somebody down and then bring them up unless there is an injury. Right. Um, But I guess because it was the opening day option, then it's a little bit different. But case in point, Grayson will get the like full year of service time, not even just the 10 days or whatever that he was down in the minors. Okay. Deducted from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's good to know. Um, So yeah, just kind of a weird thing where the Orioles sent him down for a couple of days and the Braddish injury kind of necessitated a move and and he was the move. But uh, as far as results, let's talk about Gunner first. Uh, We've touched on it quite a bit. Um, His batting line as of Monday, the 17th is 178, batting average 373 on base and then a 289 slugging. He's got one homer, two RBI, 13 walks and 21 strikeouts. Um I think in general he looks comfortable at the plate. Um and I I I talked about this just a few minutes ago. He's sort of just like being overly cautious and aware of the strike zone, which normally you would think is a good thing for a rookie because they tend to be a little bit more free swinging, um sort of ready to take the hacks and, and be aggressive out there. And he's kind of the opposite. Um, so my only critique of him is to swing earlier in the count, try to be a little more aggressive um, and get more comfortable with the game. And then maybe back his way into those walks a little bit more often, but um, get a little more aggressive, but not too much aggressive, yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. Well, just get, the, the put, yourself, put yourself in a position to get fastballs more often is uh, yeah. if, if you boil it down is, because you know that's what you can hit. It's just naturally, typically easier to hit those fastballs than the off-speed stuff, especially when you're behind in the count. 
Um, so yeah, I think my 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 professional recommendation to Gunnar Henderson <laughs> is be more aggressive, Gunnar. See the ball, be the ball, Gunnar. I don't know. How does that sound, Jess? What do, what do you think about Gunnar so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm of course I'm not worried about him uh long term, not, not even really that worried about him that much short term. I feel like we're gonna I feel like give it a month, give it two months, and he's going to reverse a lot of these numbers. Um, so yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not overly uh, panicked about him. I think, kind of like we were talking about defensively, he's getting jerked around the infield, um, and I think that makes it uh, right. Kind of like you were saying earlier about keeping it simple. Like I just would like uh, the Orioles to do that for him, and uh, you know. He's uh, coming into uh, he's playing for this exciting team. He had a stellar month uh, when he came up at the end of last season. Um, You know, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty, discomfort about, you know, where you're playing and all that kind of thing. So I think there are just a lot of factors that right now are not really working in his favor. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think just give it a month or two and I think he'll be fine. Fair enough. Eli, what's your rundown on Gunner? I, I actually kind of disagree with you. Um, on me? what with I'm going to point to is go. that Miguel Vargas, uh, of the Dodgers, right. He was injured during spring training. And so they kept sending him to the plate knowing that he could not swing the bat. And <laughs> I remember this. Okay. Yeah. And he ended up getting walked like eight times in spring training, which is pretty hilarious. Pitchers just managed to psych themselves out knowing that he wasn't going to swing. But, um, you know, I think what that enabled him to do was just see a bunch of pitches. So we are here early in the season. And for me, you know, like if I'm setting myself or setting myself up for success throughout the course of the year, I want to maximize the number of pitches I'm seeing in every plate appearance, you know, and, as you do that, as you get better reads on each pitch coming out of the hand, I think that is when you can start to expand yourself and take a chance earlier in the count. And I think that's the way that or- the Orioles would prefer Gunner to go, you know, if he's going to bias himself one way or another in terms of aggression or patience, um, particularly early in the year. I-, I think I have no problem whatsoever with seeing him, seeing pitches, potentially getting himself deep into these counts into unfavorable situations. That's kind of the nature of the beast. If you are committing to sort of finding your pitch, zeroing in on, you know, what is truly yours. So I I, I think for now, um, early in the season, I've got no problem. He clearly, you know, the 373 OBP is not a mistake. I think that those 13 walks are like fifth in the major leagues right now. He, you know, the approach is a concrete one. And is this like, you know, is 178, 373, 289 the best version of Gunnar Henderson? Of course it's not, you know, but I do think that if he was going to be suffering in any way, this is the way that I would like to see him suffering early on in the season. I think it is like laying building blocks for for him to have like a more sustained period of success later in the year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that I understand that. And I, yeah, I'm not even, I'm not concerned about Gunner 
long-term. And I do agree that I think he looks plenty comfortable at the plate. He's not chasing pitches out of the zone. He's got total control of the strike zone and whiffing is just part of his game. I mean, he's going to strike out. I mean, look at his numbers in the minors. He had the power and he had the on base, but he struck out a bunch. And that's just, he's a, he's a, not necessarily a three true outcomes type of player, but close to it. Um, But yeah, he's just, and and naturally that's going to get you into a lot of two strike counts. And right now he's just not getting hits when he's got two strikes. He literally does not have a hit this year when he's got two strikes on him. Um, Mm. That'll change. That will change. He's got a 194 on base when he's got two strikes. Uh, He's 0 for 25 with two strikes. Um, Not ideal. Not ideal. And that's because he's... (laughs) He doesn't have a hit on anything but a fastball this year. He's batting 348 against fastballs and 0 for against everything else. Um, And that's why he's not getting hits with two strikes. So it's, you know, he'll figure it out. He's, he's young. um, But I hear what you're saying, Eli, and I don't think it's the worst thing because he's still like even batting 178 because he's getting on base so frequently, he's still like a net positive probably on offense or close to it. Uh, so once he starts actually hitting the ball, he's going to just explode. Um, so yeah, not, not worried there. Um, let's talk Grayson real quick. So Grayson's made three starts so far in total. He's turned 14 in the third innings. His ERA is just a little under seven and his whip is 1.60. Uh, opposing hitters are hitting 276 against him. He's walked seven and struck out 19. Uh, Eli, the resident pitching guru, uh, not that you've seen every single pitch Grayson's thrown. Maybe you have. Um, but what are your early thoughts on Grayson? The early thoughts are on Grayson. Uh, I think in the first start, he was totally incapable of making his out pitches convincing. And he wasn't getting them close enough to the zone. And he overcorrected in the second start. And he found himself way in the middle of the zone. I think the first five hits he gave up in the second start were all on one, two or O2 counts. And then in this most recent start, he got touched up in the first inning and then just absolutely locked it down. So I, I think that it's the natural growing pains of figuring out how to attack a major league hitter, right? When you're in AAA and you throw something that starts, you know, you throw a slider that starts two inches off the black and ends up in the dirt in the left-handed batter's box, that can still get a swing. And it, you know, just won't be as effective in the major leagues. You know, major league hitters are good. This is why they get paid millions of dollars. And he just has to kind of fine-tune the approach, has to figure out what he does that plays at this level and keep working with it. So I I think there have been some super, super encouraging trends uh he punched out what was it eight in his last start um he's got 19 k's and 14 innings you know so the stuff is obviously playing up his changeup in particular uh against the white Sox, once he found that was just gross i, I mean <laughs> uh just the separation off the fastball he almost he backdoored it one or two times against a righty um to get a strikeout you know it it looks like a legitimate legitimate major league weapon um you know the changeup and the slider have both gotten 70 grade reviews from scouts his entire time through the minors so i i think there's plenty of stuff to like i think there are 
you know, growing pains for anybody coming up into the major leagues. Uh, he's a kid and he's never seen a hitter this good for any one of one through nine, you know, in his entire life. So, yeah, I, I'm totally fine to be patient. Uh, and even with all that, he's still like, I don't know, he's one of the best five options oh, yeah. in the Orioles organization right now because, you know, there hasn't been uh, really any consistent performance anywhere in the rotation outside of Kyle Gibson. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Jesse, what do you think? Would you I, move Grayson Rodriguez to the bullpen because he's so bad? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, so no, I, I think I agree. Um, you know, Eli commented on the rough first innings that you know, I mean, these numbers I think would look very different if you took an inning out of each start. Um and I, you know, what I'm focusing on also is the innings of domination, right? Which um, you know, he has demonstrated that you know, like Eli was saying, he can mow hitters down. And um, so I'm definitely, uh, you know, I think with a, a rookie pitcher, uh, the main priority is you want to see flashes of greatness. Um, you know, that's why we were encouraged by Bradish, for instance, last year, right? An inconsistent pitcher struggled a lot, but had two fantastic starts against the Cardinals, against the Astros. Um, so, you know, we've already seen, I mean, like we're saying, like uh, we're seeing the flashes of uh, greatness from Grayson Rodriguez. It's been a couple hiccup innings. I think not a big deal at all. Um, I think also, like Eli pointed out, the strikeout numbers, 19 and 14 innings. I mean, that's that's stellar for a starting pitcher. I mean, yeah. stellar. Um, most starting pitchers don't get one strikeout per inning on average. Um, I don't... I. I don't around think that. that's true. Yeah, normally around that, but I, I think most, if you, in any case, yeah, if you added up all of it, I think the average would be less than one per inning. But yeah, for for starting pitchers, the average is definitely yes. less in yeah. the bullpen. It's more, but yeah. yeah. Um. So in any case, yeah. Uh. So no, I mean, I'm I'm definitely encouraged. I'm excited. At, like, uh, you know, like we expect him to struggle a bit you know, throughout the course of this year, but uh, I'm really not worried at all. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, he's healthy. The velocity looks good every time that's an important marker, um, which it is. And he, he maintains it through his, he's only really going five innings right now. And that's just cause he's thrown too many pitches per inning, but that's part of it. Um, the slider right now is kind of the problem is, is a problem pitch for him. He's not really locating it. He leaves it in the middle of the zone a little too often. He'll figure it out. He's got he's got five pitches, which I mean, that's kind of crazy itself. So he'll figure it out. You know, he's always going to be fastball first. And as long as that's working, he can have that change up play off of it. Um, and, yeah, I think every start he has, I'm more encouraged than the last. Um, the White Sox one this past weekend was really impressive just because it's easy enough to get down on yourself after one bad inning and kind of just be like, all right, well, I'm going to go three innings probably and get out of here and, and it's going to be a rough day. But to go five to buy the bullpen a couple extra innings is huge. So yeah, right. I'm encouraged it, by it. It'd definitely be more alarming if he was going two or three innings or, I, I mean, and granted, let me just say, even if he was going two or three innings or even getting pulled in the first, I, I overall, I probably would not be concerned. Right. So don't, don't this early. Even, yeah. Yeah. Even in that worst case scenario, uh, right. If it was only three starts in, I wouldn't be worried, but, 
you know, we're not even close to that. It's way better than that. And, um, yeah, I mean, the stat line does not look good, but, uh, other than the strikeouts per innings, the stat line doesn't look good, but yeah, yeah. no, no need to worry. Absolutely. I, yeah. and, and, and I think, uh, sorry, but the, the other thing you were saying, just playing off the fastball, I think it was Buck who used to say that, uh, like the best, pa- the best pitch in baseball is a well-located fastball. So, yeah. um, you know, you can definitely, uh, you know, that's fine for that to be your best pitch. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and like Eli said, I mean, he's one of the five best pitchers in the Orioles organization. So he should stick around as long as they feel he's going to stay healthy. And uh, yeah, it's I get excited every time he comes around to pitch. So looking forward to it. Um, All right, let's talk kind of a surprise player in a positive way here. Danny Coulomb. Uh, this is a guy that None of us knew existed probably three weeks ago. I mean, maybe you did. Maybe you have an encyclopedia knowledge of baseball players. I didn't know about Danny Coulomb. I think uh, we all put him on our opening day roster, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, tomorrow they're going to trade with the Twins for this 33-year-old lefty. Um, mark it down. But, uh, yeah, they got Danny Coulomb from the Twins on March 27th for cash. Uh, clearly felt they needed a lefty. Nick Vespi was demoted. Keegan Aiken's more of a multi-inning guy. Um, Coulomb's been around the league. He's bouncy pitched with the A's for a little while, spent the last couple of years with the Twins, sort of bouncing between AAA and the bigs for them. Um, and so far through six and a thirds, he's third innings, he's been uh, incredible. He's got 10 strikeouts. He's allowed just one earned run, no walks, no homers, and a whip of 0.450. Um I don't know, Jesse, I know you haven't seen too much of him just with your schedule, but Eli, have you checked out Danny Coulomb at all? And uh, do you have any any thoughts on, on what he's doing and how he's doing it? Yeah, I, the Orioles have tweaked his pitch mix pretty significantly. Uh, and the, like, the biggest, biggest thing is that the slider is his primary pitch now, and he uses it over 50% of the time. Uh, that has just straight up never been the case. Um, so I will say they're actually crediting him with the slider and a sweeper. Um, so his primary slider is being used over 50% of the time, and he's incorporating the sweeper almost 20% of the time. His four-seam fastball usage is down to looks like about 16% from over 30 last year and from a career high of about 45. So the Orioles are tweaking his pitch usage to just drop and drop and drop the number of straight things that he's throwing. And, you know, it makes the like average fastball of 91.3 miles an hour play up a little bit. His slider does get pretty good movement on it. Um, And it just works. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else that can really be said about it. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know, his sweepers got (laughs) an extra, like almost five inches of vertical movement relative to most, uh, like relative to average of comparable speeds. So you really just want to stay off of the fastball and stick with the things that work. Um, we're starting to see some folks around the game, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Matt Whistler and Matt Festa and some of these like slider primary relief arms um and that's what Coulomb's turning into the Orioles clearly identified this and said we can work with it and they're making it happen 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it kind of brings, I don't know if, I don't know if the profile is identical, but it makes me think of Richard Blyer a little bit, uh, lefty, didn't throw real hard, kind of had some funk and sort of Blyer's thing was he relied on getting soft contact. Coulomb gets soft contact and he also strikes out a bunch of guys. Um, So it's a little bit different. Um, But like, and and typically with these types of guys, uh, I worry that it's like smoke and mirrors, especially with relief pitchers. It's a small sample size, but like a lot of the peripheral stats indicate that this is like for real. Um, Obviously the velocity for the fastball does, doesn't really come into the equation. Um, But I mean, getting whiffs and getting really weak contact typically is proof that you're good, not that you're lucky. So I don't know, Eli, do you buy this as like, he can do this for, no, he's not going to not walk anybody and not give up home runs, but like, could he be like a sub three ERA, like bullpen guy for the whole season? Do you think? I think it's possible. I, I don't expect it, but I think it's possible. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that he, uh, further ruins any prospects <laughs> that Nick Vespi had. Um, yeah. And Vespi's just going to keep putting up zeros and triple A for the rest of his life. Yeah, that is tough for Nick Vespi. Um, <laughs> but yeah. he's, he's there if we need him, you know, and I'm sure he'll get some time in the big leagues at some point. But um, yeah, that is a bummer. You just do everything right and it's still not just not good enough. Yeah, no. What are you going to do? But yeah, Danny okay. Coulomb, who who would have thought? Exciting stuff. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about a negative surprise. We we talked about it a bit at the beginning, but Cole Irvin, demoted to AAA, Norfolk, following three bad starts with the Orioles. Um, in those three starts, he tossed 2.2 total innings, has an ERA over 10, a whip of nearly two, striking out more than a batter an inning, but he's also had some walk issues, which was not a thing we expected from him. Eight walks in 12 and two-thirds of innings. Um Jesse, what were your thoughts on Irvin getting demoted? I mean, first, I guess, you know, it's easy enough to say we were surprised by the move, but do you think it was deserved for him to go to AAA Norfolk at this stage of the season? Uh, Basically, no, I don't. Um, I mean, yeah, look, I understand that the numbers are atrocious. Uh, You know, (laughs) I'm, I'm aware and I'm privy to that. Um, At the same time, it's three starts. And I mean, especially with the pitchers, with all the adjustments, the mechanics that they are trying to work and sort through at the beginning of the year. I mean, I don't know. I generally feel like most players, you know, should should get a little bit of grace, I guess, at the beginning of the year. So, um, you know, generally, I don't think three starts is really you know, much to judge a pitcher on. Obviously the Orioles do have a limit, you know, five or six starts, you know, even if you think this isn't really representative of who they are, uh, you know, they, they are a better pitcher than this in reality, et cetera. You know, of course you do have a cutoff point where, okay, yeah, you know, we, we know you can do better. We know you're capable of better, but, you know, we can't keep throwing you out there with you pitching this poorly. So I understand that there is a cutoff point, you know, that the Orioles have to look at the situation and be like, look, you know, 
we think you've been, you know, negatively impacted by some bad luck. We think this, we think that, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not working and, and we need you to go down and make some adjustments. I get that, but I don't get how that cutoff point is after three starts. I mean, we're not even, you know, we're just midway through April at this point, you know? And uh, sure. so it, it's a little surprising to me. Um, especially, especially about a guy the Orioles went out and traded for, right? Um, and, and the Orioles theoretically granted. I mean, you know, you could say, well, the Orioles didn't give up a lot to get him, and you know, how big are they actually on Cole Irvin, et cetera? I mean, those kind of questions are there, but this is a guy we went and traded for. And, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, he's in a new team, it's a new situation. You know, he's in the AL East, granted, you know, not necessarily his starts were against AL East teams, but, you know, nonetheless, um, I, I just think it's a it's a rough situation for him. I think it makes it more I think it makes it more difficult for him now moving forward because, you know, he's always, you know, even if he you know, I'm sure he's always sort of had this lingering in the back of his mind, um, but now he's probably got to worry and put even more pressure on himself to perform so that he doesn't get demoted again in the future. And, you know, so, you know, I just think that there's, um, you know, I I mean, I think it's unfortunate and, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit of a longer leash than he's gotten. So. I mean, what I would say about him being, you know, the, the mental aspect of it is that these guys are always under immense pressure to perform. You know what I mean? Like, until you get that big deal, that Chris Davis deal where you can, Hey, I got the money and I'm going to suck for three years in a row <laughs> and it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. They always have to perform because you see guys will have good pre arb years and then something falls apart and, uh, then they're just, they don't ever get that big deal. But, or if you're like an Adley or a Gunner prospect, well, yeah. or but even a Wander even, Franco or something. Yeah. Sure. But they still got to perform till they get to free agency, you know? Could Cody Bellinger, I mean, right. obviously he's had, a, he had a good arbitration. He just got like, I think $20 million from the Cubs, but like he hasn't gotten the big deal yet. And he's a former MVP, you know, because he kind of fell apart with the Dodgers at the end. But, um, well, I, I I just mentioned them in in terms of demotion. You know, that's sure. that's all I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. But right, there's of course there's pressure to perform for salaries too. Yeah. But what I'll say about Irvin though is that the fact that he could be optioned is part of probably why the Orioles went and got him. You know, I there's not the physical skills aren't aren't off the charts for Irvin, but he was a guy you thought would give him length and not walk people and. He's done neither of those things so far. So um, what I wanted to bring up was the Baltimore Sun wrote an article on it over the weekend. Uh, and the, the headline was Cole Irvin's surprise demotion shows Orioles are operating in a post rebuild world. Um, and I think it's an interesting headline because I don't really agree with it. I mean, I think they are post rebuild, but I think even in the rebuild, if they had a guy that had an 11 ERA and two start in three starts, I think he would have been demoted. I don't know, Eli. What What are your thoughts on the whole Cole Irvin uh, I mean, situation? Ha, ha, I mean, maybe it's a little different. Sorry to 
cut you off, Eli, but maybe it's a little Jesse show different today. situation. Yeah. But I mean, how long did we stick around with Chris Tillman while he was like, you know, doing pitching horrendously for the Orioles? And we kept throwing him out there start after start after start after start, you know. Well, he also had years and years of that's experience. That's true. Right. As and best and, pitcher, and, and but... that's why I said it's a different situation. And that was the Buck. Different situation. Years too. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so yeah, I, I think that like. <laughs> The big thing with Cole Irvin, right, you go ahead and you're just – I'm looking at just kind of batted ball profiles against him. Like, compared to last year where he really did have, by all intents and purposes, two-thirds of a phenomenal season and one-third of a pretty bad season. Um, Like, his solid contact rate is down this year. His barrel percentage is down this year. So, like, it's not about – insanely loud contact being made against him what it's about is last year he had a 4.9 percent walk percentage this year he has a 12.7 percent walk percentage and so he's just walking guys out the wazoo and as a finesse control pitcher you can't do that you know it's just like you do not have the ability to give free passes because what you do is you induce soft contact you know that that is like that is your specialty. And so you need to be forcing guys into that contact and into the positions where you're going to take advantage of the fact that the best hitters in the game get out seven times out of 10 when they make contact, you know? So like, that's really his problem. And the fact that it's not, I mean, obviously he was giving up some hard contact too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Average exit velocity. He's in the 24th percentile, but like the main problem is not that everybody is teeing off on him. The yeah. main problem here is like something that he can control in this walk percentage. And it is something that is fundamentally wrong with him. And after his second start, he did go ahead and talk about a flaw that he has seen in his own mechanics and talk about, you know, like things that he is identifying in himself that he can feel that he needs to improve on. So it, it does seem like, this is not the situation of necessarily something that you can leave him out there and just kind of let him work through. Like it does seem like this needs a little bit of dedicated time. And it was the confluence of that with, you know, like this Bradish injury leading to Grayson Rodriguez coming up and the rotation was having some adjustments coming as it was. So I think this works out really well because Bradish is coming back. You have five men right there. And I think this was a demotion almost of convenience for the Orioles because they're in a situation where they can send him down, almost remove the pressure from him, right? The, to me, there is no like expectation that Cole Irvin stays in AAA all year. That the, the potential that that happens is zero, right? So you tell him, look, you're a major league pitcher. We know you're a major league pitcher. You've done it for 60 starts over the last two years. You know, you've had a four something ERA, like you're a major league pitcher. So this demotion is not indicative of our like long-term prospects for you. What this is, is you're walking guys like no other. We're not quite sure why it's happening. Just take a beat, go make a start or two down there. Grayson and Kyle Bradish, you know, will fill in that rotation and, we will be just fine up here and while you get it right, you know? So 
to me, it's like, I, I, I don't think this is a panic situation. And particularly because, again, like, um, his hard hit percentage is at the 48th percentile, like right down the middle of league average. So, I, you know, I think that this is a situation where he's not necessarily like there is something inherently worse about his pitches this year. I don't think it's anything like that. I think he just is unable to control. There is a fundamental mechanical problem. And if he takes some time to get that rectified, I think we can still see, you know, the version of himself that we traded for. Yeah, I think that's all really good points. I think, it, yeah, it's it's indic- the demotion is indicative of the fact that the Orioles do think Irvin is important to the plan for this year, too. Right, right. Um, and, and they have the luxury of having better arms this year than they have had in recent years. And they can say, yeah, Cole, go down. He start, we're, we're recording on the 17th. He's starting on the 18th. You know, people get hurt. He could be up his next turn in the rotation if he fixes things. Um, other numbers on him I wanted to point out. His batting average on balls in play was almost 400, 385, which is like crazy elevated. That's some bad luck. Uh, his fielding independent pitching is 546. So, again, not good, but it's half of what his ERA is. And, again, he pitched in the first two weeks of the season where the Orioles' de- defense is having issues for some reason. So that probably didn't help him either. And then, yeah, he's walking too many guys. So it's just a combination of things. Um, he'll be back, but um, I get it. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I, I've been like, definitely not huge on the trade for Irvin in general, but I'm, I was shocked that he was demoted so early and uh, he'll be back. So we'll see. So Tyler, I, I'm just curious uh, in what you said there. Uh, it wasn't clear to me. I didn't understand. So uh, the part about how, uh, the demotion is indicative that the Orioles uh, have them in their long-term plans for the season. I don't for, understand for, that. For Irvin. For Irvin. I yeah, think right. That <clears throat> right. He's being demoted because they know he can go down. I mean, look, if they're not going to keep him up if he just kept sucking. I'm not saying, like, if they didn't care about right, him, exactly. he can yeah, just keep yeah, playing. Exactly. But I think doing it after three starts is saying, hey, we see this thing oh. that is going on. And yeah, we do want to win baseball games. So you can't figure that out in Baltimore. You need to go to Norfolk and figure mm. it out there in lower pressure things where maybe it's on. I didn't even read. I know Eli said he had he had said something about it. I didn't read that. So I don't know what the exact issue was with the mechanics. I don't know if it's happening on a specific pitch, if it's just from the stretch or something like, you know, he could go down to Norfolk and do he can just throw a bunch of sliders or whatever the issue is, or he can just pitch out of the stretch or, you know, he could do that in Baltimore, too. But you know what I mean? Is It's taking the pressure off immediately to go go down and figure it out versus, you know, stay in Baltimore and and, and work on it. Um, mm-hmm. So to me. And there might be some elements there that they just kind of have some doubts in his ability to do those things on the fly. I mean, I think if. These last two years he had in Oakland were actually in Baltimore. You might say, hey, you've done, you fixed this before. Let's just stay in, in the bigs and work on it. There's not that track record there. So maybe they just feel better as well. Say, hey, go to Norfolk and work on it. I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, I think the fact they pulled the plug so early kind of tells me that they have something identified and they want him to go focus on it um, versus just kind of like plowing away in the majors. Yeah. He he didn't say too much specifically, but he said they're tweaking something with his back foot that, you know, his drive leg um, and how he like gets moving toward the plate. And I will say, you know, we have uh, 
this Baltimore Banner article also mentions it. You know, we have seen his fastball actually tick up to 95, 96 miles an hour at times this year. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see it being a situation where the Orioles said, look, we think we can get a little bit more out of your arm. We think if you can start to play up in the 93 mile an hour range rather than the 91 that, you know, we can do X, Y, Z with you. And I don't know, that effort to getting that little extra bit of drive off his back leg, something like that has led to him being a little bit more wild. I, I think there are that, you know, it could be whatever, but um, yeah, it does seem like they have cued in on something and they have been trying to make adjustments and you know, this is the result. Sometimes adjustments don't always work. Sure. And I think it goes back to what we talked about where the fact that he had an option remaining was a selling point for getting him. They yeah. that get that gives you a safety net to say, all right, we can tweak things for a year. And if it's really not going well, he can he can go down to Norfolk and it's not a big deal. So um yeah, I think he's gonna be back at some point, whether by injury or you know, Kramer's really struggled, something like that. But um Irvin will be back at some point and I think he's gonna be an important um if not top performer for uh for this pitching staff. So we'll see. You did say you were really surprised, though, Tyler, when you saw the move. I, I was surprised that he got demoted so early. I mean, look, right, I've, right. I've talked before. I didn't I didn't love the skill set coming in. But to Eli's point, if he could be throwing 95, 96, that kind of changes things. Not every pitch, obviously, is a starter for him. But, um, yeah, I was surprised it happened after three starts. I thought they'd give him a little bit longer. Leeway. Right, right, right. Um, but I thought it was deserved based on the numbers, you know. But um, anyway. Let's move on to our final topic, which is the Orioles and their new celebrations. Uh, Final topic of the episode. Last season, you know, the Orioles had Rugnet Odor. He kind of brought, sounds like the home run chain and the binoculars when they got on base. And he was kind of the heartbeat of the entire roster. He's gone now, but the Orioles have continued with their celebrations. And I don't know if they've turned it up a notch, but they've got props once again. And they're all water themed. Uh, I, this apparently came together in spring training at some point, but essentially how it goes is if they hit a single, the 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 person that's on base mimes turning a faucet on towards the dugout. The dugout, I think, sprinklers some water out of their mouths towards the person on base. Um, for an extra base hit, the runner on base does a sprinkler dance move towards the dugout. Um, and then on a home run, the home run hitter, when they get back to the dugout, uh, gets to take uh, a slug of the Homer hose. And Kyle Gibson was sure to confirm that it is not a dong bong. It is a Homer hose. Um, thoughts, guys, on uh, on the celebration? It's gotten it's gotten some hate, I think. The, the dong bong I, Homer hose has gotten some hate. I got to say. Here we go. Um, I do have big thoughts on this. <laughs> of, course, yeah, right? I, I, of course you do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> what what's the surprise? I'm not that surprised I ha- that I had big thoughts on it. I'm not yeah, surprised. it's utter and sheer disappointment that you have big <laughs> thoughts on it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm 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 not excited about it. Uh, I, <laughs> I gotta say, I liked last year. I liked the home run chain. I thought that was fun. I thought that was cool. Um, so I mean, and I and I gotta say, first of all, you know, I like water. Water is life. You know, I get I get all that, right? We're all water the, fans here. At the same time, um, like, and I and I I I kind of like the faucet, uh, but other than the that, faucet is the worst of the three. 
No, I think that's the best of the three because. Oh my god. Okay, first of all, let's just say, <laughs> I mean, the sprinkler is just like I don't know, one of the worst dances I think there is. Like that's period. what's so great about it. And though. no, that that does and, not and, make and, it. And great. everybody and like then, leans over the bench and just goes. No. <laughs> just blows water at them. It's yeah, I mean they, they can't so see simple. what you're doing. But um Yeah, no, they can't. And, and, and then the, <laughs> that's why I had that's why I had to say it out loud. <laughs> and then the other and then the other thing is like, I don't know, the 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 hose is just very much feels like frat boy type stuff. And um you know, so I'm I'm definitely uh, yeah, I, w- I wish we had the chain. <laughs> Let me just could say they, that. Could they yeah. edit? Could they edit it in some way that you would feel better about? Could they actually have a hose in the dugout where they turn it on and they get a real? Is it the is it the the bong part of it that like like it does feel frat boyish? I get that, but yeah, right. Be- because I you, you know my association with seeing it is the funnel. Alcohol, the you funnel, know? yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and that that you know and I. And I'm not even saying it from the perspective of like, what about the kids? You know, I'm not saying that. It's just a thing about like, you know, that that's not interesting to me really or fun or, you know. Here's what we should. We do need to we need to be up front. You you and I, Jesse, are both in our 30s now. Yeah. Eli is still in his 20s. Eli's well, that, close. Eli's closer to the age of some of these I'm, guys. But but, but that I'm but 28. That, I'm two years well, younger than you guys. You're a, ch- you're, let, you're a let, child. But, let me just say that that that's 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 not even it either, Tyler. Like even okay. in my tw- even yeah, e- I mean what I'm saying is not a reflection of my interest or like or dislike of partying or drinking or I'm not, you know I'm not, anything I'm like not, that. I'm, I'm not even yeah. saying that though. I'm not because Kyle oh, okay. Gibson is older than both of us. You know, right. whatever. For, yeah, right. We just might. I don't know. We just might be a little detached from what they think is cool. You know what I mean? We're just we're a little yeah. older. Maybe it just doesn't fit. We th- we understand a chain. You wear a chain every day, Jesse. I've seen it. You're a yeah, big yeah. chain but, guy. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, I, I don't think that's it, but I, no, I mean I, know. I don't know. Like I do feel very like a twenty five year old is not does not you know, they they feel very much in my age range, you know. So um <laughs> okay. yeah, so, anyway. anyway, so the big thing here, uh-huh. right? I, I think for good celebrations, I, I think a very important part of it is there needs to be a like capturable moment in one photo. Mm-hmm. And I think with all of these, I mean, the faucet is fine, but like particularly with the sprinkler, I mean, you know, like the hand behind head and arm out for like actually doing the dance move is a capturable moment mm-hmm. having four people lined up on the top step of the dugout with water shooting out of their mouths a little fountain style that's a capturable moment and then you know like having somebody standing up on the top step holding this big thing up while the person who just hit the home run you know has their arms out wide and they're like drinking water from it i i think it's like it captures a cool moment it highlights the person who did the thing it's just like I don't know who whoever comes up with a theme for their celebrations, you know, so there was clearly some thought put into all of this. I, I think it's like, I don't know. I think you're over, overthinking it, quite frankly. Jess. <laughs> it, it's like, I, it I, looks cool. 
it's fun but I, you get I, to drink from the homer hose you know I, you get to drink right? i just want to say that you know you were critical of me for having big thoughts on it but you just laid out big thoughts on it so i no, will no, say no, that no, no. the capturable moment is a good point and i will take that into consideration <laughs> but that does not make up for anything else i just said and also uh as far as the like uh, the water, the fountain, the water fountain thing. You know the the players do. I don't know it to me. Like, and I understand. Like, you know, maybe from a hygiene perspective or whatever. You know, there's some critiques of baseball players given tobacco, given you know spitting out seeds all the time. And when I played baseball, <laughs> I chewed seeds all the time. But I don't like the idea. Like, just visually look like seeing the water that that the players are spitting out of their mouths. I'm not even that big on that either. So it's, it's, you know, it's all these points I'm making about, you know, just coalescing together the frat boy stuff, you know, the, the, the not interesting and not fun uh, dancing. All right. Um, so, Jess, here's. So, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm no, just. No, no, no. So, I need I, you I, to. I, like, I just appreciate fit... the, I... the thought, I guess, and the coordination on. The different okay. things, I, but the execution was just poor. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so I need you I to go ahead and like Lord. figure out what a good celebration would be for you. Okay. Well, I, no. I said the chain. I mean, the Orioles. Well, but the, the chain's chain. not even really a celebration. It's not a celebration. Right? It's you just put something you on. Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It, it's a ceremonial well, like artifact. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I kind of like. It is a celebration too, but yeah. I mean, I kind of like. But, I but so. When the, it, when it, in the that players sense. would hit a double and mix it up, or I don't even mind the binoculars. Remember or... the lawnmower from the Jonathan VR days? That was a thing. <laughs> oh, Remember? yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, oh, I, I don't know. But then I'll so, also say, like, I'd, you I'd know, like in... some celebrations. What are you saying? I don't like any celebrations? No, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I just want to say, I, I was not reacting to you having big thoughts, I was reacting to your big <laughs> thoughts being negative. But no, that, that was what that I had is the problem so, with. That's a revision of the record. Like, at, <laughs> I mean, as soon as I said no, big but, thoughts, no, you as, were giving as soon me a as you said, "Oh, I I've got anything. big thoughts on this," we all knew that they were oh, negative they were big out. thoughts. Okay. Yeah, well, the whole I, world knew. I the feel like I, I feel like I like, very good have already written off this entire podcast because no, Jesse doesn't like the Homer hose. I feel like I have very good justifications for not now, even if we disagree and you like it, I feel like you should at least be able to understand my perspective and say, okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, but I'm ignoring it because you disagree with me. Right. America in 2023. (laughs) Uh, What I would say about it is the, apparently the origin story is that Cole Irvin in AAA now and uh, Keegan Aiken together made the homer hose they right. they fashioned it um say what you will about the homer hose i don't know that it looks like two brains came together to like produce it it's it's a hose it's a it's a lopped off hose with a piece <laughs> of orange tape around it and like whatever funnel was the cheapest on amazon right i i think the production could use some work i think they it needs to be revised is what i would say yeah it's not the most appealing um, I've heard this take a couple of other places. This is not original. I know talking baseball podcast said it's too long. The hose is too long. Funnel's too small. So we could we could work with it. We can evolve it. We can iterate on it. That's a word I I hear in work at work all day in meetings. We're going to iterate on that idea. <laughs> okay, that means we're going to change it, guys. That's all that means. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I, I look, I think it's fun. A lot of teams have these, these celebrations. Now have you seen the angels have like a samurai helmet yeah. they put on somebody? Jesse would hate that too. I already know that. I already know that. I don't even have to ask him about it. <laughs> so I, I like it. I like that the spirit of Rugnet Odor is still alive. I haven't seen what the Padres are doing now. I don't know if he went in that locker room and spice things up. Maybe he doesn't have the juice over there, but you know, I think that the Padres have enough like they enough things going on. Excitement. You know, like Star they've got power. Annie, they've got yeah. Soto, like they've got some personality they characters. They don't need a celebration. The Orioles, we need a celebration, I guess, is what you're <laughs> I mean, I like it though. It's there's an energy about it. I think the fans are into it. Um yeah. and it'll get better. And I, I think it's it's fun that like every year has a, a different theme or whatever. Not the binoculars and the and the chain didn't really go together, you know what I mean? Right. Because this is all like a theme. I think that's fun and it right. kind of gives each each year its own like identity um right that's so me I, I that's a huge part of it to me i i think it's just like regardless of what the celebration is i think just like continuing to have a thing that it's like this is what us orioles do you know this is who we are this I is agree. how we celebrate I with agree. each other yeah. I, I think like <laughs> that's where my excitement for it comes from you know it's like I, the act of having that thing that is so like intrinsic to the identity of your team, I think is what's so special about it. Yeah. It's more important than what it actually is. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there'll be a t-shirt giveaway that's related to the water thing in some way, shape or form. They'll have a theme night or whatever. Mm. And cause you know, that's what baseball is sort of all about. They play so many games. Not every game is going to be a sellout. You got to do gimmicky stuff to get people in the seats. Right. And it's just, they did the chain thing last year a little bit. So it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, you're declaring it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's yeah. like the best celebration of all time, but it's right, different. Right, right. It's fun. Yeah. It, it gives baseball some character, which it it needs. I I guess right, and I and I get that. I guess what my thing is is like you have so much time and you have so many heads in the dugout to try to figure out something really really cool and innovative. It's like when um you know people don't have good goal celebrations it's like you only score a handful of games every year you know when it's your time in the spotlight when it's your time to shine you know you need to have it i think it should be spectacular you know and you should put a lot of thought and a lot of thinking into that you know what i'm saying and so the orioles they had the entire off season to construct something that was really really cool they had 40 guys or 25 guys or whatever to do it, you know, and I feel like it's a little subpar. So I think I think I, you I will... over you overestimate how much time these guys have to just dedicate to celebration talk. Yeah. So a I mean, lot of the guys didn't even about... know they were going to make the team, that's you know, you're, that's you're make a roster. That's true. You know, worried about a whole lot of other things. What about the air? What about the airplanes out to like the A's? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah well they haven't gone to oakland yet this year so oh right right we played that right yeah yeah so uh (laughs) true that's a good point we're on Um, top of things here but still yeah but uh (laughs) but in any case you know um (laughs) you're right right you're right you're right jesse i just think they could have been better okay fair enough yeah all right well that's all the topics we've got for this week folks um 
you know, I know our schedules here and there. We're trying to do these as often as possible. It's probably going to be like once every two weeks or so. So get used to kind of that cadence here for a little while. Um, in the week ahead, the Orioles have got two games on the road in, in D.C. Then they welcome the Tigers for a three-game set uh, before the Red Sox for three more. And then they go to Detroit for a four-game set after that to to wrap up the month of April. Um, so, you know, we'll definitely be back to talk about some of that, uh, see if any moves have been made in the interim uh, what you can do if you want to support the podcast is follow us on, on all the various social medias, although Twitter is the big one at the warehouse pod. You can also get in touch with the show by emailing the warehouse pod at gmail.com. And above all else, please subscribe to the podcast uh, on whatever your preferred podcast platform is Spotify. Um, tune in. Uh, I think we're, we're on all of them. If you, if you listen to podcasts <laughs> somewhere, we are there. So check us no, out. Tyler. There. You have to go ahead and list them out, though. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Pocket Casts, Stitcher. Um, I don't know if you're using something other than those. I don't know what you're doing. You're going maybe go to our website. You can go Dude. to the warehousepod.substack.com. You're what? insulting me. I don't use um, any of those. Google Podcasts. Is that That's what, what I yeah. <laughs> Google Podcasts. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Eli is the so, reason I I can't text the group on my computer. I have to use my actual phone. Ridiculous. God forbid. Oh, my goodness. How can we rectify this injustice? It's all right. It's okay. I don't worry about it. I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's about all we've got to plug, guys. Anything else I should mention before we get out? No? All right. I'm good. Go O's. Yeah, go, go O's. O's. Keep, keep winning some yeah. games. Stay on that 90-plus win uh, pace. And Keep uh, winning be- some games, but play better. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Well, the rest of April is a pretty soft schedule. Nationals, Tigers, Red Sox, Tigers. Like I was going to say, yeah. you know, we're definitely seeing the benefits of this more even schedule, especially with yeah. how uh, insane these AL East teams are seem to be this year. You know, no team in the AL East has a negative run differential right now. Yeah, the Red Sox are under 500, though, as of today. But yeah, they lost. Yeah. The that is unrelated to the thing that I just oh, said. Okay. <laughs> it's related. Okay. It is very related. <laughs> even if it's, you know, yeah, it's very related. Anyway. The brotherly love yeah, coming off this right, podcast. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we didn't have that many disagreements, like for the first, you know, whatever many minutes of the show. And then at the end, it's just like. When yeah. it comes to celebration talk, that's when the Ginsburg brothers are in opposite yeah, camps. Clearly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, until next time, this has been the Warehouse Podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And as always, go O's. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.